The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. All right, Hokie Nation, I am back from Charlotte, and we are here to recap the women's Iowa game, which was phenomenal, and the men's game against South Carolina. Both are in the same building. That one was not phenomenal, Ed. No, it wasn't. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Uh, both are in the same building, 24 hours apart. Very, very different atmospheres, I will tell you that, and I'll get to that here in a minute. But uh, it was awesome. It was a great time in Charlotte. A lot of Hokies everywhere. I had a great couple of days, and I flew home just in time to watch – the football team uh, destroyed Boston College, which was a great, great way to end the Virginia Tech uh, three-day span there. But uh, we're going to jump right into this Iowa game first. Um, Mike, it was awesome. Like, I was there. Uh, we were up in the up in the sky in the second level. Uh, the second level of the Spectrum Center, which was not even open for the men's game the next day, uh, was pretty much halfway to three-quarters of the way full up there. I think the attendance was like 15,500, something like that, which someone told me was more than the average attendance for the Hornets. Um, it was an awesome game. It was an awesome event put on by you know, the city of Charlotte and Ally and women's basketball. It was, it was a great, great event. So uh, it felt like a Final Four game. You know, you heard a lot of the girls talk about that after, how it felt like they were, you know, back in the Final Four again. It was that kind of atmosphere. Uh, and it was that kind of game from start to finish. Uh, 80 to 76, Iowa wins by four. Uh, the spread that I saw walking into the building was four and a half. So... Vegas knows whether it's the NFL, college football, or women's basketball. Vegas knows uh, Iowa cover or Virginia Tech covers the four and a half. Back door, baby. Back yeah. door. Yeah, Virginia Tech covers the four and a half against an Iowa team that, you know, obviously starts and really ends with Caitlin Clark. She had 44 of their 80 points, um, which is just absolutely out of control. But uh, I was in the building. Mike, how did it look on TV? atmosphere based on what you're saying in attendance matched what I saw on television. Uh, you know, Kenny Brooks spoke to it after the game, just kind of a celebration of women's basketball. Shout out to Ally Bank for how hard they pushed this event in Charlotte. I think that's a big reason why. Obviously, you have two top 10 teams, you know, two final four teams from last year. You know, Iowa played in the national championship game. Uh, Virginia Tech, it would have been a rematch if Virginia Tech knocked off uh, LSU in the final four would have been a rematch of the national title game. If the Hokies made it past the eventual national champion Tigers in the final four. So uh, obviously two elite teams. I don't come away from this game feeling any different about Virginia tech. I think the Hokies are one of the best teams in the country. Uh, this was a game in which Virginia tech shot 13 of 34 from three. They shot only 39% from the floor they were in foul trouble the entire game and they lost the game by four. Uh, I, I know that a big talking point after the game, a lot of complaints about the calls Caitlin Clark got. 
uh, she draws a lot of fouls. She is a really, really tough cover. Virginia Tech learned that the hard way. Uh, Kayla King was tasked with, went into the game being tasked with guarding Caitlin Clark. She got into really early foul trouble. A lot of Virginia Tech's defenders that they rotated onto Caitlin Clark got into foul trouble. She is really, really tough to defend. That's not just because of uneven officiating. You have to draw those calls too. She is really hard to stay in front of. Uh, she scores 44 points. She went 13 of 17 from the free throw line. She only shot five of 16 from three in this game and still had 44 points. She is really, really good. Um, Virginia Tech coming away from this game, only losing by four when she had the game that she had should be really encouraging. Yeah, I think Virginia Tech largely played a pretty, you know, they weren't up at their A game, that's for sure. I wouldn't say they played a bad game, but it was definitely not a, you know, a performance that you'd expect to see later on in the year. It was clearly the second game of the year for the Hokies. I guess that's probably the best way to put it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it took Caitlin Clark having 44, eight and six for them to squeak out a win on a day when the Hokies were not in stride at all. Um, Rose Michaud, you know, started out for the Hokies, only played eight minutes. Um, she's clearly not fully acclimated into what Virginia Tech's trying to do yet. And hopefully she gets there sooner than later. Um, but you had a starter only play eight minutes. You had Caitlin, uh, Kayla King in foul trouble early and often. I mean, she pretty much missed the entire first half, came in the third quarter and picked up a really ticky-tack foul, which I, I think was a makeup. I think it should have been a foul on Strack under the basket. Um, but it ended up being a foul on King to give her her third, and then she had to go out again. Um, so she never was able to get into rhythm at all. And she's a very rhythm-based player, you know, being a, a, a shooter – um, you know, she took nine shots, six of them were threes. Being able to hit threes at a high clip re requires rhythm. You can't really get into a whole lot of rhythm when you barely play in the first half and have to sit down quickly in the third quarter as well. Um, yeah, the foul trouble thing, you know, it's frustrating. Um, Caitlin Clark is obviously incredible. You can't really guard her. There's no way to guard her. She can shoot the ball from the logo, go to the basket and finish or dump it off to a teammate, which she did uh, plenty of that as well. So, you know, Virginia Tech to lose by four on a night when they didn't have their, you know, their A stuff, and it still required Clark to have 44 to beat the Hokies. I feel pretty good about that game for Virginia Tech. Um, Liz Kitley had 16 and 16, um, had to get some stitches after the game as well, got whacked in the mouth, had to come out for like two seconds. I guess probably threw cotton in her mouth and went right back in and kept playing, uh, which is pretty insane. Uh, the stat sheet will show that she played 40 minutes. I think she missed like 30 seconds of actual game time, um, which is pretty impressive for her. Georgia, out of control. Um, and I really, you know, honestly, I'm pretty disappointed in how the game was covered both on TV during and the kind of aftermath of the game. Uh, definitely pretty frustrating considering the fact that it was all Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Clark on social media after the game. But uh, Georgia had 31 points on while shooting the ball. Let's see here. 31 points. 10 of 23 from the floor, 7 of 14 from three. Yeah, shot the ball eight less times and shot 13 less free throws than Clark and still had 31. Um, yeah, she doesn't have the, the assist or rebound numbers that rival Clark did and that Clark had in this game. But overall, 31 points compared to Clark's 44 while shooting the ball eight less times and shooting 13 less free throws. Um, insanely, insanely impressive game from Georgia on a national stage. And 
Uh, I think the, the whole country knows who Georgia Amar is now. Yeah, I mean, the Final Four run last year, I think, put her on the map. I, I mean, Virginia Tech fans know how good she was all of last year. But the Final Four run, I think, put Georgia Amor on the map nationally outside of the ACC. And then I think doing what she did in a nationally televised game that was as hyped as this Virginia Tech-Iowa game was <clears throat> for her to play as well as she did. You know, for anybody who was watching the game and, and paying attention uh, knows that Amor, you know, did everything that she could. I think that the one thing that stood out to me about the way she played is there was so much focus that Iowa put on Liz Kitley. Um, her final numbers look decent, right? Seven of 16 from the floor. We've certainly seen her have better shooting nights, but those numbers look a little bit better than I think if you watch the game, you kind of saw she was getting swarmed all night. Um, they really, really focused on doubling her in the post, which you know, is something that uh, High Point probably should have done a little, a little bit more. But Iowa's obviously a different caliber of opponent. They swarm Kitley in the post and really make life difficult on her. She still has 16 points and 16 rebounds, right, is her final stat line. And I think the extra room for Georgia Amor to operate, like she obviously took advantage of that uh, with her 31 points. Uh, Batilda Eck had a really poor shooting night. She was 3 of 11 from the floor, only hit one of her seven three-point attempts. That was obviously um, a really important part of this, too. You mentioned Kayla King not being able to get into a rhythm as really a volume three-point shooter, which I think your point about her being in foul trouble and not being able to get in that rhythm is really important. So, you know, a tough loss, but I am i don't come away from this incredibly concerned about Virginia Tech in any way, shape, or form. Uh, you lose to the team that's now ranked second in the country through a couple of weeks of the college basketball season on a neutral floor, and you don't feel like you played your best game. I think you'll take that, and I think Virginia Tech would certainly welcome a matchup with Iowa later in the year uh, when the stakes are a little bit higher. Yeah, I agree. Uh, last couple of things, uh, Virginia Tech fell one spot in the AP poll back down to number nine. That's really only a result of the fact that Colorado knocked off LSU and jumped from 20 all the way up to five. Yeah, um, it was impressive. So, so voters really didn't view this as a net negative for the Hokies, just like I don't think fans should either. Um, I, I, I walked away really impressed with Virginia Tech. It would have been an awesome win to get. Um, the environment was amazing. Iowa travels really well. Iowa women's basketball travels, man. The fans, it was packed. Like I would say it was probably 60-40 split uh, Virginia Tech, which you would not surprising. considering we're only two and a half hours from Blacksburg and God knows how far it was from Iowa, but it, there was a really even crowd. It was it was an awesome game. A um, couple more things to quickly add. Uh, Olivia Sumiel, the Wake Forest transfer, played 33 minutes in this game off the bench. I thought she was great. Um, only had two points and is not going to show up a whole lot on the stat sheet. Um, but she, she played a phenomenal game. Uh, and I'm interested to see how that rotation continues to progress as the year goes on. Karis Baker, the freshman, played 13 minutes, had four fouls, did knock down a three. Um, but again, Karis had to play because over the course of the night, Eck had four fouls, Georgia had three, King had four, Karis Baker had four, and Carly Wenzel also came off the bench and played amazing, um, had five fouls and fouled out. So uh, just the foul trouble was brutal. Um, guarding Caitlin Clark is brutal. But overall, I think it was an awesome, awesome game for Virginia Tech, and I look forward to seeing how they can build off of this. Uh, shout out Carly Wenzel. She had... 11 points on four or four shooting, a couple of and ones, a couple of threes uh, in 17 minutes, and then also had those five fouls because she was tasked with guarding Caitlin Clark. Um, yeah. Great game. 
Absolutely. I'm excited to watch her play more, man. She is electric. And I'm, I'm really not trying to be contrarian with the foul calls. I did disagree with, you know, some of them that a lot of Virginia Tech fans took issue with. But the final foul disparity, like Virginia Tech was called with 24 of them. Iowa was still called with 18 of them. So it's not like <laughs> it's not like they just weren't calling fouls on Iowa all night. You know what I mean? I mean, six more fouls is, is a difference, right? And Caitlin Clark shot a million free throws. But I don't think it was the difference in this game that Virginia Tech fans are making it out to be. I think I would put it more on the really cold shooting night from three. I think that was obviously an issue. Um, and the fact that Caitlin Clark still, still has 44 points, like you just kind of have to weather that storm a little bit if you're Virginia Tech. And I thought the Hokies did pretty well, but, um, you know, when some of your key three point shooters have the nights that they had, like uh, Matilda Eck is supposed to be, you know, and we talked about how great she was against high point. She is going to be tasked with being, you know, Virginia Tech's third or, you know, the three A scorer, right? It's Kayla King. Like she's tasked with that to shoot one for seven is, you know, from three is a tough shooting night and doing and shooting three of 11 from the floor. Uh, Kayla King, two of nine from the floor. Like that's, that's where you lost the game in my opinion, more than the free throws is, you know, two of your starters having the shooting nights that they had. Yeah. It was thin margins, great game. And I think there's a good chance you see those two teams play again later in the year. High ceilings. Next up. So the next day, Billy Ray and I made our way back to the spectrum center uh, we didn't go to all three games that were on the schedule. We did go to two. We watched uh, pretty much the entire Virginia-Florida game. That was a really good game. Um, this UVA team's interesting, and we'll, we'll break them down more as the year progresses. But uh, we watched that game, and then we watched Virginia Tech and South Carolina play. Uh, Virginia Tech came into this game, I think, six-point favorites um, to a South Carolina team that was picked towards the bottom of the SEC and came out of there with a loss, uh, a two-point loss, 79-77 South Carolina. Um, I will quickly add this, and people are going to hate this, but whatever. That South Carolina team is not going to finish at the bottom nope. of, of the SEC. Nope. Uh, they're not going to finish at the top either. But they're, you know, it reminded me of the Rutgers game, uh, the Rutgers football game, where you know Virginia Tech fans were like, "We just lost to Rutgers." It's like, "Hey, well, this isn't this isn't your mother's Rutgers, and this is not your typical South Carolina basketball team. They're a little bit better than they are. Um, they're perceived as the year begins." Clearly, as Rutgers football has progressed to have a really good year, uh, I think South Carolina will end up having a pretty decent year as well and exceed their expectations. But that being said, it was a game Virginia Tech still should have won. Um, it was it was pretty frustrating, I will say. Uh, but, you know, I'm looking at the, the box score and kind of starting to piece together where I think things went wrong. And uh, one of the first things that jumps off the page is the poor shooting from the Hokies. Seven of 22 from three, 31%. Hunter Couture was three of 10. That's not going to happen very often. Uh, the first half, Virginia Tech did not shoot the ball well at all. Only scored 31 points. Uh, followed that up with 46 in the second half. So clearly things started to click. But uh, there was a six-minute stretch there in the first half where the Hokies could not find a bucket. Um, and it was due to some poor shooting on the perimeter. Getting good looks, just not knocking them down. And, you know, that can happen when you – I don't want to say rely because people love to say rely on the three ball too much. But when you do have a – offense that does have a lot of really good three-point shooters when they're not hitting it makes things a little bit difficult so um that was a tough part of the first half sean padula finished with 26 in this game he played amazing uh that was one of the best games i've ever seen sean padula play he finished with 26 five assists and nine rebounds on seven of 13 shooting he was phenomenal all night um, but overall virginia tech could not slow down bj mack or miles studi 
Studi finished with 21 on 7-11 shooting, five of six from three. Um, Mike, we looked this up before. Studi is a career eight-point-per-game guy, averaging about 36% from three. And so far this season, he's shooting over 60% from three, uh, and he had 21 in this game. So uh, Definitely he, sustainable. Yeah. He figured something out, I guess. Um, I don't know what he figured out. We'll see as the year progresses if he can keep that up, but I doubt it. And then B.J. Mack. Uh, was really tough for the Hokies to handle all night. Uh, he finished with 19 points on nine of 16 shooting. But uh, overall, Mike, you know, what are your thoughts on the South Carolina game? Disappointing. Uh, I come away concerned about Virginia Tech because I didn't love the rotations in this game. Like I project that and it's early. It's very early, right? Or the second game of the year, but when you're playing your first game of consequence and you're only playing eight guys, I have some concerns, right? Like MJ Collins didn't play much in the second half. Robbie Barron didn't play much in the second half either. Uh, I, I have some structural integrity concerns about the team now that we've seen them play actual power five competition. I, um, we came out of the game last week against Coppin state. And one of the big talking points that we had on this podcast was like, Oh, Pretty encouraging if Tech's able to run out like maybe nine or ten guys, right, instead of like seven or eight. What we did nail on that podcast is going into the South Carolina game, there were probably going to be eight around eight guys that were going to play big minutes. And the eight guys we predicted were the ones who got big minutes. The one who didn't was Brendan Recksteiner, who we expected a reduction in minutes in comparison to the Coppin State game. I didn't necessarily expect him to only play two minutes, though, right? He really only spelled Sean Padula for a short stretch in the first half, and those were the only minutes that he played. I uh, Look, obviously, uh, the game that Studi had, right? Like That's one of those games you chalk up to, okay, Virginia Tech plays one opponent a year where a guy who averages like eight points per game goes nuclear and is totally unconscious, right? So maybe this is the game, and we just had it in game two on a neutral floor, okay? That happens. B.J. Mack had an incredible game. He had 19 points and six rebounds. I thought Melijah Petit and Lynn Kidd both played pretty good defense, but they really couldn't stop Mack all night. He was really, really good. I just my, – my larger concern is with Virginia Tech in regard to the rotations. Like, I think Mike Young is going to have to build this depth out and play some of these younger guys more than he wants to, um, especially now that Rodney Rice is not on the roster anymore. That's where this absence, I think, is showing up uh, – it's showing up earlier than I would like. Like that's one additional guy that would have absolutely been in the rotation. That would have been the ninth guy. And you feel a little bit better about the guard depth in particular, right? Like Sean Padula played 38 minutes. Kator played 40 minutes. Maybe that's because Tech played on Friday and doesn't play again until Wednesday, right? Maybe that's why they rode those guys out longer than they needed to. Um, but I think a big part of it was because Mike Young knows he can't take those two guys off the floor, which yeah. you and I would agree with like Padula and Couture are going to have to play big minutes this year. I would just prefer that it wouldn't be 40 and 38 respectively, because when you yeah. get into conference play, when you're playing tougher competition night in and night out playing two to three games a week, that's when this gets more difficult on their legs come January, February, when you really need them to be at their best. So that's my overarching takeaway from a team standpoint individually you know guys had some tough shooting nights and stuff like that you mentioned the numbers from three but that's my bigger takeaway i mean losing a turn a game where you only turn the ball over five times you turned over only one time in the first half 
to lose that game is frustrating. Virginia Tech's not going to have many games this year where they only turn the ball over five times. So to turn it over five times and lose that game, that's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow for sure. Yeah, I'm with you on on everything you said there. Um, you know, the next two games against Campbell and Wofford are really important because you need to get Jaden Young and Brandon Rexsteiner minutes so that they are able to spell Kator and Padula as the year progresses. Um, the 38 and 40 minutes for our two lead guards is not sustainable. Absolutely not. And I think everybody knows that, including Mike Young. Um, but he's got to get those other two young guys uh, more comfortable at this level quickly. And that's why it's great that we have Campbell and Wofford coming up. Uh, hopefully they're able to find a way to do that. Um, you know, a couple other things that were tough uh, in this game. Obviously, South Carolina shot 47% from three. That's tough. A lot of them, too, like it wasn't all bad defense either. They were making stuff from like three feet behind the NBA line, which this drove me crazy in the stands all night. Everyone was shooting from behind the NBA line. They were playing on the Hornets court. They had a college line on the court, but they were, the NBA line was there. Yeah. Everyone for both teams was shooting NBA threes for no reason the entire night. Even in warmups, they're all pulling up from behind the white line. I'm like, what are we doing? Do we not know what, what line we're supposed to be playing? <laughs> I watched Virginia Tech warm up for the second half. Nobody took a college three. Everybody took NBA threes. And I will tell you, their shooting percentage in warmups coming out of halftime, not super high. So yeah. let's take a step into where we belong, please, and make the shots that we are supposed to make and that we practice day in and day out in Honhurst. Um, I strongly believe that that contributed to some bad shooting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it's neither here nor there at this point. Um, another another spot that was frustrating, um, Virginia Tech got out-rebounded by seven to South Carolina. Um, you know, you, you can't you, – we can't do this again, this out-rebounding thing. Uh, MJ Collins has to have more than zero rebounds uh, as a really athletic wing who is more than capable of rebounding. There's no reason Sean Badula should have nine and MJ Collins and Robbie Baran should combine for one. Like, yeah. that can't happen. Sean Badula yeah. is your point guard. You guys got to get in there and get some rebounds. Um, you know, our bench had two rebounds, Poteet with one, Long with one. Like We got to rebound the ball a little bit better, and I'm sure that has been a huge area of emphasis this week. Um, and then, you know, kind of nitpicky, but, you know, South Carolina out-assisted Virginia Tech by three. Um, a large part of that was due to the fact that the offense was so reliant on Sean Padula creating. Um, and he, he was phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. He played an amazing, amazing game. Maybe his best game as a Hokie. Um, but he needs help. Um, and then the other thing I noticed, too, was that, as a negative at least, that the, the three spot, the two guys who you're going to largely rely on to play the three spot this year, MJ yeah. Collins and Tyler Nickel, combined for four points. Um, that's not going to get it done. Those guys combined only shot the ball six times. you got to get more production out of the three spot. You saw, particularly the last you know 10 minutes of the game, Tyler Nickel played those important minutes. Oh, I know we talked about, you know, who starts is not necessarily who finishes. And we saw that perfectly illustrated against South Carolina. Yep. Um, Tyler Nickel played all the crunch time minutes. We need to find ways to get Tyler more comfortable on offense and on defense quickly so that he has the ability to step up and be that third scorer that you mentioned earlier. Um, we need a third reliable scorer, right? Like Lynn Kidd, when you get him the ball in his spots, he will score. And that is a huge thing for the Hokies this year is that, when you get kid the ball deep in the post, he's going to score. He was five of seven from the floor, made both his free throws. 
the problem with kid is he's not a Basili or a mutts where he can put it on the ground and get to his spots on his own he's kind of got to catch the ball in his spot so i can't really count on him right as a third scorer baran we just haven't seen it yet hopefully he's able to get more comfortable as well and step up into more of a scoring role um but mj collins and tyler nickel you need more production out of the three spot um MJ's had a tough time getting into groove in either game, really. And Tyler, I just don't think is comfortable yet. Um, you see what Tyler can do. His his one time he scored was getting fouled and making both free throws. But the way he got fouled was incredible. He caught the ball on the baseline, got up in the air, kind of contorted his body, almost made the shot, got fouled. And I was like, wow, that was kind of a really small play that was a little bit different looking in terms of what we have on the roster. Um, yeah. So I, I really hope that we can use these next two games to get MJ Collins in a groove, get Baran comfortable, get Nickel really comfortable. Um, I would love for him to become kind of like a Naheem Aline type, um, you know, score, you know, eight to nine to 10 points a game with the ability to stretch it up to 15. Um, that would be a huge weight off of Sean Padula and Hunter Couture's shoulders if Nickel can find that scoring groove in this offense. And I think he can. So uh, overall, a two-point loss on a neutral floor. It's a game you really want to have, and it does put a little bit more pressure on the rest of the non-conference schedule um, to come out of you come out of non-conference some wins when you drop one that you weren't anticipating dropping. But it's November. Uh, the LSU women's team lost their first game. Maryland just lost to Davidson and UAB um, after being preseason number four in the Big Ten. So it's early in the year. You've seen a lot of upsets and a lot of Power Five teams struggle with non-Power 5 teams, at least our loss came to a Power 5 opponent. Um, and I'm looking forward, and I'm sure they, the guys are looking forward to getting back on the floor tomorrow uh, and taking on Campbell and kind of righting some of these wrongs. But overall frustration, uh, Charlotte was really fun. Uh, but I wish we won at least one of the games in the Spectrum Center. But you know what? A four-point loss to Iowa and a two-point loss, you didn't play very well. Um, it's not the worst thing in the world, and there's plenty of basketball to be played. So with that... We will look ahead. Oh, actually, you know what? I do have one more thing I wanted to mention. You talked about this too, Poteet and Kid playing good defense. Um, the five spot, you know, I'm kind of just lumping the two of them together here. They played, you know, the whole game, the two of them combined for the, the entirety of the center spot position minutes. Uh, 21 points on eight of 10 shooting. So, yes, we don't have a Keve Aluma or a Basili, but we have two guys that can replace that production combined. Uh, and I'm really comfortable with either one of them on the floor. So I, I'm looking forward to watching that spot progress. And I think we've got two really good options there on Petit. Just add to the rebounds, the yeah. seven between the two of them. You mentioned Petit only had one rebound. That's Yeah, Nola had more rebounds in the center spot combined. That's not good. Not good. Um, so we need to work on the rebounding, and I'm sure, I'm sure they have all week. It probably hasn't been a very fun practice. Hey, guys, this is Ali Jennings III, wide receiver for your Virginia Tech Hokies. When I committed to Virginia Tech football, I committed to the best. That's why I chose Harvey's GM in Radford. Why settle for less when you can have the best? Go to Harvey's GM for all of your vehicle needs. Tell them Ali sent you. That's Harvey's GM, Tyler Ave in Radford, or go to their website at harveysgm.com for more info. Um. Looking ahead, the women have Houston Christian on Thursday, followed by UNC Greensboro on Monday. The things that I'm going to kind of keep an eye on in those games are rotations and development of the freshmen. Um, that's really all you can 
all you can take away from games like this. Liz should have 30. Georgia should have, you know, a double-double. All those things should take place. But I want to see more Claire Strack, and hopefully she can get more comfortable. Um, Karis Baker, we saw a lot of in the Iowa game. More more Karis Baker. Uh, more Carly Wenzel. Would love to just see all of them get more minutes. And just keep an eye on the general feel of the rotations and um, what Coach Brooks is trying to do there. And then I'm really curious to watch the Olivia Sumiel-Rose Michaud split in minutes at the at the four spot. Um, so far, it's been a lot of Sumiel and not a lot of Michaud, even though Michaud has been the starter. Um, so hopefully they can get Rose more comfortable in these non-conference games before they head down to the Cayman Islands for a really cool tournament that we will preview next week. Um, Mike, what are you looking for from the girls in the next two? Yeah, certainly the rotations. Um, I was going to hit on the Sumiel-Michaud point because obviously Rose Michelle not playing a ton uh, against Iowa and seeing if that was like matchup dependent or if it's something where she's just really not comfortable in, in the system yet. Again, I, I'd like to remind people, like she was in a position when she was at Minnesota where she was playing the five. She's now being asked to play the four. I'm going to continue to hammer that point home. With Kitley the five and Mich- Michelle playing the four, that's a significant difference. It's a, it's a different system anyway, but it's significant what she's being asked to do. It's going to be more of an adjustment for her than for somebody like Matilda Eck who's coming in and just asked to shoot a million threes from the wing, which is something she did at Michigan State. So it's going to take a little bit of time. I am curious to see if she gets a little bit more comfortable with some of these non-conference opponents left on the schedule before you go, like you mentioned, play in the Cayman Islands in a tournament against, you know, better competition. So uh, that's definitely the, the one thing I'll be keeping an eye on. And I, I wasn't going to go there, but I'm going to go there because it's super frustrating um, you know, we all ended the year last year with the the Ashley Awusu saga. Um, she tweeted out and then deleted "Go Iowa" before the Iowa game. I would just like to direct everybody's attention to the Penn State box scores because she's not in any of them. So, um, just thought I'd throw that out there really quick before we flip over and the match. So playing time, playing time. Petty moment of the podcast today. Yes. Um, the the men have Campbell tomorrow on Wednesday. Uh, and then Wofford on Sunday for the, the Mike Young Bowl in Castle. Um, you know, if you're in town for the fo- for the football game on Saturday, stick around and watch the men play on Sunday against Wofford. Um, same thing as the women, though. I'm looking at rotations. Uh, how much do Jaden Young and Brandon Recksteiner get in the game? How quickly do they get in the game? Uh, and how well they are able to assimilate themselves to the offense and, more importantly, probably the defense. Uh, Brandon Collins need those two to find a groove, um, you know, Find, find a way to find a groove against Campbell and Wofford and get those guys more comfortable, particularly Baran, you know, being a transfer. And then yeah. Tyler Nichol is the big one for me, man. Tyler Nichol has all the talent in the world, can score the ball in bunches. Uh, and as soon as we are able to get him more comfortable where he's not thinking and he's playing on both ends of the floor, that's going to go a long way for Virginia Tech to find whatever their ceiling might be this year. If you need to find another guy who can get the ball in the bucket, I think it's got to be Tyler Nichol, and I think he's more than capable. So find ways for Tyler Nichol to get as comfortable as possible in these two non-conference games um, before they head down for their big tournament against, let me see, they got Boise State. This field is stacked, by the way. This yeah, is, it is. Absolutely stacked. Boise State is the guarantee. We've got Boise, Boise State on Thanksgiving at 8 o'clock. The next day, they'll either play Iowa State or VCU. Two good basketball programs, right? Yep. And then on the other half of the bracket, so who they could potentially run into depending on how things go for their third game down in Orlando, uh, FAU, tournament team from last year, Butler, 
Texas A&M, Buzz Williams, and Penn State. This tournament is absolutely stacked. So you're going to go down there and you're going to play three significant resume games. I think you got to get out of there two and one. So these next two games are super important in terms of getting the rotation where you need it to be and getting guys comfortable as you head down to play some big boy basketball. You hit all the points I wanted to hit. I just want to just drive this point home. Rex Steiner needs to be playing like 18 to 20 minutes a game in the next two games. You've got yeah. to get him comfortable, man. You've got to get him comfortable. I'm telling you, like, we're not going to be able to go all year with the two guards being Kator and Padula playing a ton of minutes and not having a guy to spell him and play like at least 10 to 12 minutes a night to take something off their plate. I'm not asking Rex Steiner to be a 20 minute per game player this year. I'm asking for him to be a 20 minute per game player in the next two games where Virginia Tech should win with ease. You've got to get him comfortable so that when you play opponents of consequence, you're able to put him in the lineup. Because right now, this is, as the rotation currently stands, you're going to burn Padula out. This is something that Mike Young was talking about in the offseason, not wanting to do. And it's only one game, it's a small sample size, and they still got some non conference opponents, you know, coming up. And then after they go down to Florida, where they can shore some things up before getting into conference play but they really, really need to develop somebody behind Padula because it's going to be a really long year if they're not able to do that. And if Collins continues to struggle offensively, like they're going to have somebody have to have somebody else step up. But Tyler Nickel points an important one. He's going to have to be a scorer off the bench this year. He's going to have to be. If he's not, this team's really going to struggle. Like he needs to develop into that role. And Virginia Tech needs to develop some guard depth or else it's going to be a really long year. Yep. Wofford is 2-0. Campbell is 1-1 one one with a loss to ECU. Um but again, shouldn't it should not matter. Virginia Tech needs to get out ahead early in these games and let those young guys play. Jaden Young is one that I um, I'm super impressed with, at least from what I've heard. And I was able to go to that one open practice and see that um, he's a guy who I think could be impactful as the year progresses as well. So not just B Rock, but Jaden. Um, and then I, I still think you know the engine has to start with Tyler Nickel as your third scoring option. So the sooner they can get him comfortable, the better. But we will go ahead and uh, sign off now. We will record again after either after the men play Wofford on Sunday or we'll wait and see how the girls do against UNCG on Monday and get this thing out either Monday or Tuesday of next week as we head into Thanksgiving. And, you know, that's the best time of year. Besides March, this is the best time of year for basketball. There's all these tournaments and stuff going on. It's the, it's awesome. I'm fired up. Yeah. Actually, today, I think there's some huge games, aren't there? And like Duke, didn't that Champions Classic start today? So it's like, yeah, Champions Classics today is record Tuesday morning. So, yeah, Duke, Michigan State tonight, Marquette, Illinois tonight. There's some awesome games uh, on this Tuesday evening. So, AM, AM, SMU flying under the radar a little bit too. That's, that's yeah. a pretty intriguing game. AM uh, going on the road there. So, I just keep an eye on that one. Yeah. And then Kansas, Kentucky at 9 30 tonight in the Champions Classic, the second yep. game of the tournament. So, uh, it's it's the best time of year besides March for basketball, uh, and hopefully the Hokies on both the men's and women's side can trend in the right direction following two minor setbacks, in my opinion. So with that being said, sign us off, Mike. We will talk next week. Root the Hokies home. Need to pick up some non-conference wins here. We'll talk next week. Go Hokies. Tripping in the sand We smoke out windows Drink till we can't stand But I saw you Dance like you want to in my head And all that she said is Oh, I know
Take the head, it's not